0: Grace and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, by the presence of His Holy Spirit and within everyone who believes. And all God's people said, Amen. I told you I'd give you a pop quiz from last week. Who was here last Sunday? Be truthful, raise your hands. Okay, now we're we're depending on you. So last week, Paul was taught teaching a couple things. One thing he was teaching is that about the Day of the Lord... The day of the Lord has two really super important events that happen one after the other. Let's see if you can remember or not. So day of the Lord, rapture. Day of the Lord, God's wrath. Not bad, not bad. Want to do it again? For those of you who weren't there (laughs) last Sunday. So what we're doing is we're combining physical activity, clapping and stuff that helps our brains to remember stuff. Some of you might be amazed at uh, how much you remember from last Sunday even, huh? So, Day of the Lord, two big things happen. When the, especially New Testament, but the Old Testament, talks Day of the Lord. The rapture happens first. God takes the believers out of, this, out of the cemeteries, you know, who've gone and died before, takes them up first. They get their resurrection bodies. They meet Jesus in the cloud. Then we follow up after them. We get our resurrection bodies on the way. We all meet Jesus in the cloud and we go on to heaven. Why does God do the rapture? It's because this place has gotten really, really rough. And the last person, I, I believe, who is willing to be saved has said, Okay, Jesus. And the rest are uh, hating God, rejecting him in every way. So God takes all of his precious ones out and then pours out God's wrath on those left behind who have rejected him. So those two things, the rapture happens first. God's wrath, it's not a one-day thing for God's wrath, amen? But it begins the, the season of God's wrath being poured out. So all the, the bowls and you know, the trumpets and revelation, all that terrible stuff, that's God's wrath that begins to happen right after the rapture. So let's do it again to have it in our brains, okay? Day of the Lord rapture, day of the Lord, God's wrath. Excellent. Give yourself a hand. (laughs) Praise the Lord. So Paul shared some day of the Lord points last week in his Thessalonians uh, letter. As Paul brings this first letter to a close, he wants to wrap up some final comments. You know how you do when you're writing a letter to somebody and you say the little bits uh, that you want to draw together for the tail end. Um, He wants to wrap up some encouraging final points for the people. Now this is a young congregation, right? They've only been believers, they've only heard the gospel in the last few months, so it's a brand new start with Jesus. It's a brand new thing, figuring out how to live life together and life walking with Christ. So it's a real challenging thing. They've been wrestling with some issues and wrestling with some fears, okay? So you got issues? <laughs> you got fears, yeah. So let's listen up and receive the word of God today from Paul. He's writing it two thousand years ago to the Thessalonians, but uh, truth never goes stale. Amen. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse twelve. Now it's interesting to to listen carefully to how Paul introduces things. Here, in, sometimes, a lot of times he says, we urge you. Sometimes he says, we command this, or we urge this. In this moment, he says, we ask you. It's more like he's coming alongside them. Um, so it says to me that there's been some good stuff in the congregation, but some need to step up. So he comes along them, kind of shoulder to shoulder, as a friend. And he says, verse 12, we ask you, brothers and sisters, to respect those who labor among you, and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. So let's stop there. I know it's a comment, but let's stop there for a second. So there have been some issues in the congregation. Uh, we know from previous stuff in 1 Thessalonians, apparently there were some folks in the congregation that had, were believing that Jesus was coming any day, and so they weren't showing up for work anymore. Not, and I'm coming to fill in some gaps, but it sounds like folks were just laying around and expecting other Christians to feed them and take care of them and waiting for Jesus to show up. So the leadership of the congregation had been admonishing them, get back to work, um, take, be, be providing for yourself, make money so you can help others who are in real need, but get off the couch and get back to work, and we need to be doing the business of Christ until he comes. We don't know for sure yet when he's coming. We know he's coming. We don't know for sure yet. So there would be some tension there, wouldn't there? <clears throat> if you're if you're in the camp of I don't want to go to work. I want other people to feed me, and I want to wait until Jesus takes me out of here and makes life glorious. And leaders have been telling you to get back to work and get off your tookas. There'd be some tension there, amen? amen. So this is why Paul says we ask you, brothers and sisters. Respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord. What does that mean, over you in the Lord? Well, that's speaking to authority. Okay, so <coughs> called uh, shepherds, called deacons, called whatever kind of labels you want to put to that. Elders, okay, is what we usually on here most time. So people who have been called by God and called by the congregation and placed in positions of Christian leadership, there's an authority that comes with that. There's an encouragement that comes with that. And he says, Respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Respect that. Verse 13. He says, To esteem them very highly in love. Now, do we want this to fall into a thing where where the leadership, the congregation, is just ordering you around and making you do things because you have to obey? Is that what we want? And you, you obey just because you have to, because it's a thing and it's a law? That's not what we're looking for, is it? What does Paul say? To esteem them very highly in what? In, in love. So the leadership ought to be leading in love and admonishing in love. And the people ought to be receiving that <coughs> and welcoming that in love. It ought to be a loving relationship like Jesus said in the gospel that we read earlier this morning, right? Jesus came not to be served. Human leadership needs to be careful not to fall into a trap of wanting to be served, but wanting to ultimately do what? To serve. That's the model Jesus gave us. That's the model he kept on pressing on the disciples. What were they always fighting over, the disciples? Who's going to be first vice president in Jesus' kingdom? What did he keep telling them? Knock that off. The greatest in the guise of God, the greatest in the kingdom is the one who serves other people, humbly serves. So that's where we're at. That's where Paul's trying to get to here. To esteem leaders very highly in love because of their work. And he says, be at peace among yourselves. If if leadership is loving the people and caring for them properly, like like a loving shepherd if the people are loving them back and respecting them, it's all good. And we have what together? We have peace together. Isn't that what we desire? Who wants to come to church when it's a battle, it's a war, right? Who wants to come to church when you, when you think your leaders are pushing things down your throat? Do leaders want to come to church when they feel like the people aren't listening and responding to the word of God? I've been there. That ain't fun. So here's the desire loving and serving each other in humility and appreciating each other, esteeming each other in love so that we have peace together and with peace comes harmony and where there's harmony, don't we want to be there? Amen. So glory to God. I want to thank you for the partnership we've had for lots and lots of years. You've had with our elders even before I got here. Say amen. Okay. This place was rocking and walking with Jesus well before I got here. Amen. This is not a Pastor Joe thing. This is a Jesus in charge thing. And this is people walking in humble leadership and the congregation doing a beautiful job of respecting and honoring that. Okay, so I want to thank you. Uh, I feel loved. I feel respected. I feel forgiven when I don't always get it right and do it right. I'm a human being. Sometimes I get cranky. I think I'm getting ready ready to be a grandpa. Okay? So... (laughs) So I thank you for your patience and your love and grace for me. We have a lot of good things going on here, and it's by the grace of God. So it says, be at peace among yourselves, verse 14. Now see, notice he says, we urge you. He started with, we ask you, brothers. Now he's getting a little more punch here. He says, we urge you, brothers, admonish the idol. So get off the couch. We don't have that problem here. We got a lot of hard work, and people here say, Glory. When he says, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted. So previously, some people were asking about, you know, has the day of the Lord come already? Is that going to be terrible? Is that, how's that going to work for us? Faint-hearted, right? Uh, worried, concerned. Ugh. He says, encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. People who are actually weak, who are actually in need, be there to help out and to help up. Help the weak. Be patient with them. With how many of them? Be patient with them all. We all need patience with each other. Amen. Bearing one another's burdens. When when you fail me or I fail you, patience, grace, keeping that bond of peace together. Patient with all. Verse 15. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil. Everybody say, that's natural. natural. Evil for evil is natural. You hurt me, it's natural. Oh, baby, it's coming back at you. That's natural. That ain't Jesus. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's not the fruit of God active in me. So what does Paul say? He says, here's the deal. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil. What are we supposed to pay evil back with? Anybody remember that? Oh, good overcomes evil. So when evil comes our way, we forgive, we understand, we give patience, we give love back. We don't roll over and play dead like a mat. We stand up for truth, right? But we give them love and patience and forgiveness. We always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Even our enemies? Even those who persecute us? Easy to get the right answer on Sunday morning, amen? Yeah. Ah, buckle up. We're going to find out if we love people like Jesus loved people. We're going to find out. Can you love the persecutors? I've had a guy in the jail Bible say the last couple, three times, a hard man to love. That's good. I need that work, right? I need that edge. Love everyone with the love of Christ. Verse 18, Okay, these are easy, so just gonna run right through them. Rejoice always. Yeah, yeah. Easy, right? <laughs> Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Wow. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You go, wow. How many of you got that on your refrigerator? You, some of you might have. How is this possible, right? Our first reaction is, seriously? Okay, but then he gives the clue. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. How can I rejoice always? Only in Christ Jesus, with his help. How can I pray without ceasing? Now, that doesn't mean that you, that you never sing a song, you never read a book, you never... That's, you, Pray. Prayer becomes a natural thing in our walk with Jesus every day. So it isn't something I do for five minutes in the morning, start my day, and then I don't think about God, and then it's something I do for five minutes at the end of the day before I go to sleep. We, we pray, we have a conversational relationship with Jesus. Say that with me. I have a conversational relationship with Jesus throughout the day. I wake up in the night, I can't sleep. What do we do, JoLynn? We pray, we read some scripture, we pray, we have conversations with the Lord. Day or night, we pray without ceasing. It's an opportunity to have awesome conversations. I love that story. My mom went to visit an old, old friend and went around the back of the house to find her and the old friend was out in the garden and she was talking out loud. Mom heard this voice. She comes around and she goes, who was she talking to? She was talking to Jesus, showing him the garden. Would you look at these carrots, Jesus? Aren't they the most beautiful carrots you've ever seen? She was praying without ceasing. She was having an all-the-time conversation with the Lord. Praying without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. What? Because in all circumstances, no matter how bad or painful they might be, what is God doing in those circumstances? The Bible says he is working for my good. He's there. He's loving me. He's forgiving me. I'm still saved. The thing that matters the most... So in all circumstances, I can still give thanks. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now he shares this with the congregation. They're brand new baby Christians. It's a brand new baby congregation. What do they need to hear? Some foundational, easy, bullet point things. We need bullet points, right? Keep it simple, silly. Amen? Amen? Here it is. Rejoice always. So if you find if you're sitting there and you're going, man, I haven't rejoiced in a long time. Whoops. What do we need to do? Bring our stuff, our baggage, bring it to Jesus, give it to Him, and get back to some of that rejoicing in Him. Pray without ceasing. If your prayer life has fallen off a cliff, whoops. Let's let's get back on board. Let's get back into that all the time conversation with Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances. Have you stopped being thankful? Are you waiting for Thanksgiving on the calendar to get back into it? Let's be doing that. In all circumstances. I don't know. Do you have circumstances every day? Do you have circumstances every day? Sure you do. How how often should we be thankful? Yeah, so some some real basic bullet point things. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. You're like, gee, I wish I knew what God's will for my life is. Here it is. Rejoice, pray, give thanks. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus for you. Verse 19. Do not quench the Spirit. Say that with me. Do not quench the Spirit. He says, do not despise prophecies. So it sounds like there was some prophetic troubles in the congregation. It's a good thing we've stopped having trouble with that now today, right? Okay, so I want to confess to you. I'm concerned that I may have been quenching the Spirit without intending to do so or wanting to do so. Okay. I've been, I've been pretty hard the last couple of years. I've been pretty hard on so-called prophets in America. Because we can go to online and we can, we can watch a million of them, right? We can listen to a million of them. And some come around the neighborhood and, and, and do their prophesying and stuff. I've been really hard on them because we got a lot of false prophets in America. And they're on TV and they're making money and they're writing books. But they're false because the stuff they prophesy doesn't happen. So I've been really hard on them. I, I'm, my concern is that maybe my... my being hard on them and calling them to truthfulness, calling them to faithfulness, calling us to be careful not to, do, not to hang out with them. I'm, I'm concerned that maybe I've thrown a blanket on any and all prophecy. I do not want to do that. If, if, I, if I've come across that way, then, then I confess that as sin. I want no way to quench the Holy Spirit. He still speaks. He still works in prophecy. We have got, we've got an awful lot of folks that aren't on track with that today. So I'm sorry about that. But let's not slam the lid on prophecy and the move of God and the Holy Spirit. Amen? Okay? So apparently, so Corinthians is the opposite of this, right? Corinthians, they just went bananas with the Spirit, bananas with prophecy, bananas with tongues. And it was all over the place with no bumpers, no controls, and it went nuts. So Paul had to say to them, hey, you know what? Come on, settle down. God is not a God of chaos, but a God of peace. He had to bring the bumpers back. This congregation, the leadership, they had some troubles. They, what did they do? All right, we're putting a stop to this nonsense. No more prophesying in the, you know, on Sunday mornings. No more this. You quit doing that. We're just going to keep things quiet. They, they went the opposite way and shut it down. Paul says, you know what? That's wrong too. So he says, do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. He's going to tell us what to do with them, though. Verse 21, But t- say it with me, but test everything. Okay. So let the prophecies come forth, but let's test them. Let's make sure they line up with Scripture. If something disagrees with Scripture, what do we do with that prophecy? Push it away. No thanks. He says, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Do what to it? Hold it fast. Grab on to it. Stick with it. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. So hold fast to what is good. And if, if somebody uh, tries to pretend to be a prophet and bring some junk to the congregation, he says, have nothing to do with that. Abstain from it. Okay? Now we've had prophetic words come forth in this church. We've had tongues shared in this church on Sunday morning. We've handled it biblically. Amen? By the grace of God, we've listened to it, we've compared it to Scripture, we've tested it, and when it's good, we rejoice in the Lord and we apply it. And when it's like, hmm, let's think about that, we've, we've, we've done the right thing by the grace of God. Let's keep doing that and let's keep that door open, shall we? According to the word of God, say amen. Okay. So do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what's good. Abstain from every form of evil. Verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Everybody say, that sounds good. Sounds good. Sanctify you. completely. Make you holy completely. Completely completely holy. I just want you to start soaking in that because he's going to tell us more. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, say with me, may your whole what? Your whole spirit and soul and body. This gets into some wonky stuff, amen? (laughs) We are composed of body, soul, and spirit is the way we usually hear it in our, our Western brains. But here he says, spirit, soul, and body. The spirit is the part of us that's unique to human beings. God gave to human beings and no other creature on the planet. The spirit is the part of our makeup that allows us to connect with God's spirit, to sense the presence of God, to worship God, to connect with God personally. That's our spirit. Okay. So when I go up on a mountaintop or whatever, however you experience God, there's so many different ways, right? Worship, You can be reading scripture, and you're like, I I know you're here, Lord. That's the spirit that knows the presence of God. Our soul is our personality, our mind, our will, our emotions, that whole package deal that makes me, me, and you, you. And and each one of us unique, right? So soul and spirit are separate things, but, but spirit is what makes us different than all the creatures. Soul, too. And then the body, we know what that is. Amen? Okay, So so the whole package, Paul says, God wants to make it completely holy. Now the soul and the spirit, they're so amazing, so deep and so immeasurable. You can't throw a cadaver on a table and cut it up and find them, right? Well, they aren't there anymore. But the Bible says the only one who can really go down to where soul and spirit separate, they're so entwined. Only God is the one who can go deep enough into a human being to find out where you can separate soul and spirit. Interesting. What does God want to do with this whole package? Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept, what? Be kept, what? Blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when God, when Jesus cleans you up with his blood, how how deep does the cleaning go? <laughs> it goes all the way through, baby. All the way through. All the way through your soul. All the way through your spirit. All the way through your body. The G- Lord God cleans you up all the way through. Say it with me? All the way through. Hallelujah. Je- be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. Now say this, let me say it out loud. This is the gospel. This is the good news. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Now some of you didn't say it. I'm asking you. Come along. It's scripture. I'm not leading you off a cliff. He who calls you is faithful. Say it with me. He will surely do it. And you go, why do I emphasize that? Because you can't do it. You know this, right? You can't make yourself holy and blameless and clean all the way through. You can't even pinpoint where your soul and spirit are. You can't. How would you cleanse your, whole, your spirit and your, your soul? How would you do that? You can't. But we have to be blameless when we come into the presence of God for eternity. Amen? Yeah. Who can accomplish that? Only Jesus can accomplish that. i will say, gee, I hope he does. No, no, no. Paul says, he will surely do it. You can count on him. Why do you count on him? Because he loves you, because he already did it for you, He accomplished it. He says, "I love you. I came to do all this for you. I went to the cross for you. I came out of that tomb for you. I went up to the right hand of the Father for you. I'm coming back for you. Day of the Lord. Rapture, I'm coming back for you. And I'm coming back for a spotless bride. So you get saved in me. You love me. I love you back. You hang on to me. You hold fast to me in my truth. I got you. You depend on me to make you clean and blameless and holy. And I will surely do it. (laughs) Hallelujah. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's the the Savior that nobody else can do that for you. Mohammed ain't doing that for you. Buddha ain't doing for that you. Nobody's doing for that you. Only Jesus. He who calls you is faithful. Say it. He will surely do it. Oh, good news. Brothers, pray for us, Paul says. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I put you under oath before the Lord. Now, that's about the strongest you can make it. Amen? It says, I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. They had some troubles in the congregation. It was a brand new congregation. Say glory. They had some troubles. They had some issues and difficulties. Paul says You, under oath, before the Lord, read this letter to the whole congregation so everybody can get their act straightened out and you can live together in peace under the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, I don't want you keeping it from some people and giving it to others. The whole congregation is coming on board together to be united in Christ. So that's why he's so strong here. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. And here's how he ends at most of his letters. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. That's that's where we start. That's where we live. And that's where we end. The grace. The love of the Lord Jesus Christ be with us always. Otherwise, we got nothing. Why will he surely do it? Because of grace. Because he loves us. Why can we depend on him to surely do it? Because of grace, because he loves us. Why are we coming up here this morning, And here in a second? Because of grace, because he loves us. And he says, keep on coming up here. Keep on coming up here. You need a taste of my body and my blood. So you can know over and over, be be encouraged, right? How many times does he say that in this first letter? Be encouraged. Be encouraged in the grace of Jesus Christ. So let's pray. Awesome, God. There is no God like you. You're the best. You know that we can't do it ourselves. We fail miserably at it every day. But you come in your love and you pour it on us. You help us to love and trust you back. And then you make a promise to us like this. You say, you know what? You need to be holy and blameless when you come into my presence. But tell you what? I'll make you holy. I'll sanctify you. And you can trust me. I will surely be. Do it. Oh, God, we can't thank you enough, but we're going we're to spend all of eternity saying thank you. Thank you. Thank you for doing it, for making us children of God in Jesus' name by your power. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for surely doing it. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you, Lord. In the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and gave it to all his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper he took the cup, he gave thanks, gave it for all to drink saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. Would you join me from your heart in the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom,